Well, hey there, everybody. This is Dave DeBow with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Candace, please don't try to say that three times quickly. It's a mouthful. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, it's my pleasure to have Candace Bax Friesen on the call with us today. Candace, how are you doing today? Things are amazing. Life yeah. is good. Yeah. Wonderful. I'm in the middle of Winnipeg, which is minus 50 million trillion billion these days. <laughs> but other than that, everything's going great. As we're filming this, uh, we're first week of February, so it's cold, cold, cold in Winnipeg. We're getting a little feel of that here in usually sunny, lovely Kamloops. We're getting a little blast of that as well, so I feel your pain. So yeah. those of you who haven't had the pleasure of meeting Candace yet, Candace is a very experienced uh, real estate entrepreneur. She's a coach. She's a trainer. She and her husband have built up a significant portfolio, primarily of buy and hold properties, a whole mix from single family homes up to small multifamily properties. I believe you said you had about 46 units in your portfolio right now altogether. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere between 40 and 50. Yeah. It, in, in that range. She also has experience doing lease options or rent owned deals. Uh, she is a realtor as well and a mother of four. So I don't know how the heck you had any time for our conversation here today, but I'm, I'm <laughs> glad you could make it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. My pleasure. All right. Well, we're going to start the timer now. So Candace, tell us a little bit about your backstory. How did, uh, how did you first get the real estate investing bug? When about did that happen? Yeah, so I uh, was dating uh, quite young, uh, what ended up being my husband. But at that time, I was uh, dating this guy and he was 21, I was 17. And so he was talking a little bit, you know, just in dating, he'd talk about different things and he's talking about the house that he had and that he had a rental house. And, and I was like, oh, tell me more about that because my parents weren't into rental properties. So he's just sort of explaining the whole thing. And I was like, well, that's pretty interesting. Fast forward about two years, I was almost 20, almost. And we ended up getting married. And so I married with benefits and he had this rental house and thought, you know what, this all makes sense. It's, it sounds like a great thing to do. And so through the grapevine, my father-in-law had heard about a property that had come up. I actually live rural. And so that's always an interesting thing for a lot of investors, especially the ones from the big centers. But all of our properties are in communities that are like 500 to 15,000 people. Wow. So it's a very different type of investing. So through the grapevine, my father-in-law had heard of this property that was coming up and it was a fiveplex. And so he said, hey guys, this property's coming up. It's not on the market. I wasn't a realtor at that point either. I was finishing my Bachelor of Commerce. So I said to my husband, this sounds great. And he's like, no, this doesn't sound good. And I was like, well, what? And he's like, well, this is five. This is like a fiveplex. We're in our early 20s, like... That, that's a big property. And I just say, well, it's just your small rental house times five. It, it's the same numbers. It all makes sense. Right. And so we didn't have any money. I was still in university and he was working just a wage job at that point. He wasn't self-employed yet. So then, yeah, I approached my mom and I just said, Hey, there's this great opportunity. So we ended up getting private financing and it was, yeah, it was a really great move for us. Well, that's a way, a great way to jump into your very first property was a fiveplex set. Yeah, well, he had owned a house and a small rental house. I know, but, but um, your first experience. But yeah, okay, yeah. Great. Yeah. So you've done a little bit of, of everything. Would it be fair to say that kind of your primary focus would be multifamily properties? That's where you got most of your units right now. Is that, would that be fair? You know, I really feel like we're, you know, we started buy and hold because we were both self-employed. 
me being a real estate agent and he was doing stucco at the time and he recently retired from that and is, we're actually in farming now as well. It's a whole nother conversation. But really at this point, we're a little bit more, I would say, opportunists. So, you know, just seeing what comes up as an opportunity, does it make sense? So we've got a very mixed portfolio to sort of mitigate risk at this point. Yeah, you know, if a good single family comes up, great. If it's last year, it was a sixplex. So we invested in that. And so, yeah, whatever comes up that makes sense. Oh, that's great. That's great. So sounds like you've done a lot of things right over the years, but if you were to talk to your 20-year-old self again, if you're starting all over again, knowing what you know now, what would you do differently, if anything? I think that I would have been probably more aggressive, but, you know, in saying that, you know, I was busy building up my, my real estate business as a realtor, and yeah, we had four kids, so obviously that takes up time too. So I think it's like anything, you can always look back and say, I could have done more, I should have, oh, that was a great deal. But I I don't really look back too much. I think it's just, it's about today and the action that you can take today. You know, it could always be the process, right? Yeah, it's easy. Yeah, Yeah, that's, that's well said. So you've got a unique perspective because you're a real estate investor yourself, you and your husband. You've got a background in business. You've been a realtor for a while and you also coach and train other upcoming real estate entrepreneurs. From all of that, what do you see as being like the biggest mistakes people make? I think fear is what holds so many people back. And, you know, you can take all the education that you want, all the courses, you can read all the books. But ultimately, if you're not ready to make that move yourself, then you'll never make it, right? You'll never never take that first uh, step. So I think it's fear and then having the money conversations, right? Like none of us you know, 99% of people were not raised to be talking about money, right? Our parents would just be like, oh, we're not going to talk about that. I was fortunate that my parents were entrepreneurial and my grandparents. And so those kinds of conversations weren't taboo, but for the majority of people, they just, it's not comfortable asking people about money, right? Mm -hmm. I don't say, hey, Dave, what's your mortgage balance at? You know, it's not a comfortable conversation that just comes up amongst friends. And so making that transition from, okay, I know, I know people, but how do I suddenly talk to them about money or what they're investing in? And so I think those money conversations are, are difficult for most people. So that's the biggest mistake you see people have is not having those conversations, that fear of that conversation? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Now you've been, for the last several years, you've also been you know, part-time helping people out and coaching and mentoring and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to that, if you could wave the magic wand, who's like your, your perfect client for that I think it's people who are just ready to take action and they obviously need to have that trust factor and you have to have the connection, right? So I think you've coached a lot of people too and you have a lot of experience with that. And I think if you think back to people who are your, your best client or even me as a realtor, when I have that hat on, you know, it's the people that you have that strong connection with where you're like, oh, that was so much fun, right? And so just having the right personality, the right connection, and obviously that they trust you because if they don't trust you, then it's not going to work, right? Actually, you know what, Candace? I suck as a coach. Um, I, don't, I don't have the intestinal fortitude, the patience, uh, the warm, fuzzy personality. So, so personally, I've switched my, my whole thing over into focusing on providing done-for-you marketing services for real estate investors who are looking to find money partners. That's my focus. I leave the coaching to the warm, fuzzy people like yourself that are good at yeah. it. 
<laughs> I've been in your I've been in your seminars. <laughs> so I know that you've done it and I think you did it well. But well, thank you very sometimes much. you just need to change too, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right. So everybody's kind of got their unique ability. You're a very rounded kind of person, but what do you think you bring to the table with your clients? It's kind of unique. I think it's just the, the like you said, having a, a well-rounded background. So before I, in between getting my commerce degree and becoming a realtor, I've been doing that now for 12 years, but I was a mortgage broker also for a year. And so just having that financial background, that piece in the business, like you said, and just being able to explain so many different angles to it, right? A lot of sales and raising money is, again, it's selling a concept to people, right? To the investor. But so much of that is there's psychological elements to that, right? It's, mm. it's understanding who you're talking to and being, the whole process of being able to sell. Um, so the, the real estate background and just being able to deal with people, that's where that all comes into, right? So I think, again, yeah, it's being able to offer as well that, that soft side of it. It's not just what you're saying, but how you're saying it. Yeah, that makes sense. So when it comes to that whole idea of the soft side and the and the selling part of things of, of not convincing, but showing people what the opportunities are in real estate investing, what kind yeah. of a, a tip or an actionable idea could you offer to people to, to do that better? I think that the main thing is that people just don't know where to start. And so the first thing I think with anything, whether you're starting a new business or now trying to raise money, anytime you want to start something new, it's just to get everything out on paper, starting with a database. And again, we prejudge. We think like, okay, I know John, but John doesn't have any money. Or, well, Sue, she would not be interested in that. This is going to be too much for her, right? Yeah. It's too out of the box. And so not taking all those judgments away and just getting a list out, creating a database, Again, not like saying, okay, I got to have the perfect software to do it. Just getting a piece of paper out. Just keep it simple. Keep everything super simple. Get the names on the paper. Get the phone numbers and start booking appointments. So even if you feel like I'm not quite ready for this yet, you're, you have to take action and it's going to be imperfect. You know, we, we always want to be perfect, but if we can just try to always be our best, you're going to get better and better as you go. But until you take that first step, you're never going to start, you know, perfecting your, your skills. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. And um, so when it comes to your class, what do you think is the biggest problem that you help them overcome or the biggest problem that you solve? I think, again, it's probably mindset, like getting people just in the right frame of mind. You know, some people have never been self-employed, so it's a very new concept for them to be starting a business and it's, it's out of their comfort zone. Right. And so the biggest thing with coaching, I think is that you're meeting people where they're at and you're helping them overcome their personal, you know, stumbling block that, that is holding them back from taking action. So again, you know, you can, you learn everything in the books, but then it's like, okay, well, how do I take all this that I do understand and now take action out there in the real world? and talk to people that I know and make sure that I sound confident and that I'm saying the right things, right? So yeah. it's kind of like a case of stinking thinking or, or 
procrastination or analysis paralysis is that what is that kind of what yeah like yeah. well it could be anything yeah some people struggle with the numbers some people they don't know what to say when they go talk to somebody some people can go look at 100 properties and feel like well i don't know if this is the right one yet right so everybody has something else that's different that they struggle with and so yeah it's meeting people where they're at and helping them overcome that as quickly as possible so they can keep taking action so yeah. before we, we set up this call, Candace, I set you some questions that we we're going to go over, and we've gone over most of them now, but is there anything that I, I missed that I should have asked you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that it's just so important to keep getting out there and not get stuck, you know? And so sometimes you think, oh, maybe I've gone to all the seminars, or I don't know if I should be networking with this person, or, you know, sometimes you can just get stuck and... It's just important to keep at it. You know, there's always another person that you could be meeting that might be the right connection. There's always, yeah, just to keep learning. There's a there's hundred ways to do real estate and that's the beautiful thing about it, but not to get stuck in one way. And yeah. just, yeah, keep having conversations, watching like great podcasts like this and just keep at it. Keep talking to different people. You know, that's a really good point, Candice. I know I've, I've experienced that myself many, many, many times. Actually, I'm just thinking of one time recently, like I, I'd set up, I was supposed to go speak for a, a group out in Ontario. Yeah. And I had my tickets booked and, and everything booked and the hotel booked and everything. And last minute, it got, it got canceled on me. So that yeah. kind of sucks, but I'm, I was already committed to going. So it was either just kind of walk away and walk away from the, uh, the tickets. I thought, well, why not try something different here? Yeah. And in my case, I did a bunch of a series of little lunch and learns. And mm -hmm. that, went out, that went very, very well. And I made a new connection or reconnected with somebody that led in down a whole, whole different path, a much larger opportunity than what I was looking at in the first place. So yeah, uh, sometimes that's, that's a great example. Yeah. I love that. You just gotta, you always have to look at sure. You know, maybe something didn't work out exactly the way you thought it should or would or could, mm -hmm. but always try to take the, the lesson in that and, and walk away with something that you can, you know, turn lemons into lemonades with. Yeah. And yeah. just say yes. You know, like if you see an opportunity to go to a networking lunch and you're like, Oh man, you know, that's going to mean I got to, usually it's, there's always a sacrifice, right? Like, yeah. Oh, like, like well, especially when you got four kids. Yeah. There's something. Yeah. Wrong. Yeah. And it's minus 40. It's easier to stay at home and you know, all those kinds of things. Right. Yeah. But just say yes. And then later you realize there's so much that you, Oh man, had I not gone. Right. Just like you said, great yeah. opportunities and so many things that we just have to say yes and just go do it. So Candace, it's and I'm going off track here. So, you know, bear with me. Um, but it sounds like you're, you're probably very good at networking. When I suck at networking, to be perfectly frank with you. I'm not, not good at it at all. What is your approach to breaking the ice with somebody you don't know, just a, a new person? Mm -hmm. I think that it's really important. Um, you know, the, the typical thing people always talk about is Ford, right? So talk about family and occupation and recreation and dreams. So you can, you could definitely go on that. And that's kind of a backup that if you're struggling a little bit, think of, think of that. But the big thing is that it's always easy to talk about ourselves, right? So if we can just ask other people great questions and if you're actually listening, people know, right? Yeah. And so just to really focus on them and yeah, actually care, right? 
well, like show that you care yeah. about them. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just always offer to help people I think is, is key. Like where are you at in your business and what are you struggling with and how can I help you out? When people know that you care, then right away they, they trust you and, and you can just start building that relationship. Tips or tricks for your follow-ups because it sounds like you're probably pretty good at that as well. Well, that's what I was just going to say. So networking, it has to be first step, right? But, but we can't leave it at that. So I always say that if you can book an appointment before you leave from, from somewhere, wherever you're at, um, then you've got that follow-up and you don't have to struggle with, okay, I talked to them like um, three months ago. I wonder if they remember me. No, I just won't call. Like that, then it's hard, right? So if you can, before you leave, you can say, you know what? I love talking with you. Could we do lunch next week? What does your week look like? Then you book it before you leave. Smart. That's very, very smart. I'm glad we went off track there and asked those questions. So as we're wrapping up, we got about 40 seconds here. If people want to find out more about Candace Tax Freezing, if, if I know you've got a website, have you got some sort of a, a free resource for people to encourage them mm-hmm. to go visit your website? Yeah, I've got 10 tips to attract more joint venture money. Nice. Uh, because Yeah, I've got that one as sort of the giveaway because I feel like that's, again, where people struggle the most. And so if you can just get a tidbit here or there that can completely change um, what you're doing, then um, then I just hope that that's worth it. And yeah, people can reach out anytime. It's easy to reach me and I'd love to do you know, a Zoom call with people or support them in any way they need to. Oops, sorry about that. There we go. That's the timer. That's our 17 minutes. So what's the best, what's the best way to reach out to you, Candice? Uh, I'm on social media. It's really easy to find me, but my website is investorsmarts.ca or yeah, again, find me on Facebook. I love that name, investorsmarts.ca. Candice, thank you very much for your time today. It's been a pleasure chatting with you and I appreciate you sharing these uh, tidbits of wisdom. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. If you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. We very, very much appreciate it. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at Investor Attraction Demo. Dot com. Take care.